Great, it's, it's good to be with you. Um, lovely to worship. Thank you for the leading of the worship and the prayers and just sharing communion together. It's uh, precious to be part of this community. I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, which is actually the reading set for today in the lectionary. Um, it's Matthew chapter 11, reading from verse 2. The reason why I discovered I've been coming for seven years is I looked back and found that I'd preached on this passage six years ago. <laughs> and promise, you can all remember the sermon. I, I promise you, you're not getting the same sermon, but you wouldn't know if they were. So, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2. When John heard in prison that Christ, what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who was to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the one who does not fall away on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out into the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Just bow our heads for a short prayer. God our Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would rest upon us now, that your word may be a living message to our hearts, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So the theme this morning is the gospel of the kingdom, the coming of the kingdom of God. We've got two grandchildren in Cape Town, um, six and four years old. They're a delight to us. They've got an insatiable desire for stories. As soon as they come in our front door, they want us to read them stories. And on Thursday, it was a really hot day, you may remember, and they came round about 11 o'clock and they were just sort of flaked out. And They just wanted stories and Lynn read them stories for two solid hours until she was totally exhausted. Now Jesus was the greatest storyteller of all. And the genius of the Bible is that it comes to us in story form. The majority of the Bible is narrative. And that's important. That's the way that God speaks to us. In many Christian circles, going right back to the Reformation, the Gospel, we have been told, is what you find in Paul's letters, particularly Romans, and Galatians. And from this point of view, the Gospel is 
the saving death of Jesus, the atonement, and how you can receive it by faith, justification by faith. Now that, of course, is a compression of what the Gospel is. But it's reduced to the death of Jesus, believing in Jesus and receiving by faith so that you can go to heaven when you die. Now I want to suggest to you that the Gospel needs to be understood in a far greater context than that. That the Gospel needs to be understood within the whole story of the Scriptures. The Gospel is actually about the coming of the Kingdom of God. And the problem that we have as Christians is that we haven't understood the message of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. The Gospels all tell us in different ways what happened to Jesus after his birth and before his death. Two-thirds of the Gospel are about the life of Jesus. Of course, then we come to um, the death of Jesus, which is crucial. But how do we understand the life of Jesus? Matthew chapter 11 tells us that the role of John the Baptist, the role that he played was to prepare for the coming of the King. The Gospels are about the coming of the Kingdom of God. Now John the Baptist was in prison. He didn't really understand what was going on. He expected Jesus to confront Herod, to topple him from his throne, and then establish himself as the King of the Jews. But Jesus wasn't doing that. That's why, why John the Baptist was so confused. He sends this message to Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the King of the Jews? Or should we expect another one? So what I want to look at this morning is three truths about the Gospel of the Kingdom. Three truths about the Gospel of the Kingdom. And the first one is, is that the four Gospels present themselves as the climax of the story of Israel. Now the impression that we get if we read right through the Old Testament is great beginnings, wonderful visions of God's plan and purposes, and then horrible failure and exile. The four Gospels retell the long story of Israel to show how the story of Jesus is the story of how that long history, warts and all, reaches its God-ordained goal. Matthew begins with the genealogy of Jesus. Do you know what a genealogy is? Any of you done a genealogy of your family, you know, a long history of how the family, family tree works? Now if you read Matthew chapter 1, and my guess is that not many of you have read Matthew 1, you've all just skipped over it. <laughs> because it was a long list of names. But it begins with who? No, it actually begins with Abraham. Matthew begins with Abraham because Abraham is the father of the Jewish nation. And remember, Matthew is the Jewish gospel. And so he begins with Abraham and then it goes right down to David, King David, the great king of Israel. And from David it goes to exile in Babylon. And from the exile in Babylon it goes down to Jesus the Messiah. Now, why is Matthew beginning with that genealogy? He's telling us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the story of Israel. 
Jesus is the one who fulfills the whole Old Testament. So Jesus recapitulates key emphases in the story of Israel. For a moment, he is Moses as he stands on the mountain giving his famous Sermon on the Mount. For a moment, he is David as he answers his critics about the Sabbath. Remember, David gives the showbread to his um, disciples. And he, of course, David answers his critics about that, that question. For a moment, he is Jacob bringing the twelve patriarchs into the world as he names and calls his twelve disciples. For a moment, he is Elisha or Elijah healing the sick and raising the dead. So the Gospel writers saw the life, death and resurrection of Jesus as the events that brought the long story of Israel to its proper goal. So what relevance does that have for us? Well, the story of Israel is the story of how God loves the world and wants to bless the world through Israel. He chooses Abraham as the one through whom he's, he's going to bless the whole world. So the story of Israel is the story of God's love for our world. How God is going to rescue our world and rescue each one of us. In John's Gospel, the climax of Israel's story is the enthronement of Jesus on the cross. Jesus died on the cross with a sign above his head which read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. This is the climax of the story. Jesus dies on the cross as the fulfillment of the story. This is how Jesus becomes King. Amazing. This is how Jesus rules the world through a cross. He gives his life for the world because he loves the world. God loves the world. He comes to give us life. Now the new creation can, can begin. And of course it begins with the resurrection. Now the new covenant can be launched. So as we look at Jesus on the cross, we see God's incredible love for the world. This is the story of the Old Testament. God's love for the world. So the first point is that Jesus is the fulfillment of the story of Israel. We need, the more we know of the story of Israel, the more we'll understand of the Gospel, of course. Secondly, the story of Jesus is the story of Israel's God. For too long now, Christians have told the story of Jesus as though it hooked up not with the story of Israel, but simply with the story of human sin in Genesis chapter 3. So the story we've told is, human beings are sinners, therefore Jesus died on the cross. Believe in Jesus, go to heaven when you die. Now that's not actually the story of the of of the, of the scriptures. Of course there's truth there, but it doesn't encapsulate the story of Israel's God. You see, the story that the Bible tells is quite different. The creation story envisaged a God who is making a dwelling place for himself. The creation, heaven and earth together, is a kind of temple 
a dwelling place for God. Now in all the ancient temples there was an image or a statue of the God in question. Think of all the statues of Buddha or all the, the Hindu gods. In all the ancient temples there was a statue of the God in question. So God places in his temple, in the heaven and earth creation, his own image. Human beings made to reflect him, to bring creativity to birth in his world, to reflect the praises of the world back to God. Human beings created to reflect God's character in the world, the love of God. And all this is spoiled by the rebellion of God's image-bearing creatures. Despite this, God's intention, God's original intention is never lost. The astonishing thing about the book of Exodus is that God himself accompanies his people on their journey and gives instructions for the building of the tabernacle where he will be present in their midst. And this precipitates a near disaster while Moses is up the mountain receiving instructions about the tabernacle, you'll remember that the people rebel and persuade Aaron to make an idol, the golden calf. And this rebellion nearly ruins the whole plan. But once again, the astonishing thing is that God answers Moses' urgent prayer for forgiveness and consents to go with his people despite their rebellion and idolatry. And so this pattern of God intending to live among his people but being unable to do so because of their rebellion but coming back in grace at last is in measure the story of the whole Old Testament. God longs to dwell with his people. God loves his people. He loves his world. He longs to be there. This is a, a temple created for God to live in. But we rebel, we reject God, and God leaves us to what we choose. We become like what we worship, and that's what happens in the world. Now this pattern is the story of the Old Testament. But as we read that story, we discover that successive prophets had promised that Yahweh would return one day. So Isaiah, Ezekiel, Zechariah, Malachi, all promised that Yahweh will return, despite the exile in Babylon. And even though many of the Jews had returned, there was no sense that Yahweh had, had returned to dwell among his people. And so the prophet look, prophets look forward to Yahweh coming back, God returning to be with his people. And Matthew makes it very clear in the frame that he creates for his story. Chapter 1, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what's happened? God has returned to live among his people. And the incredible thing is that God returns as a tiny child. The miracle of Christmas, the wonderful God, the God of the universe, the God who loves his world, comes to live among us and we bow in worship.
the coming of God to live in the world. And the beginning of Jesus' ministry is the kingdom of God is among you. The ministry of Jesus is about the coming of the kingdom. That's what we remember in Advent. So Jesus reveals the nature of God. He is the fulfillment of the story of Israel, the story of God's love. As we trust him, we find forgiveness and grace. He sends his spirit to live in our hearts, to change us, to pour God's love within us. And he gives us a desire to fulfill his purposes. Let me read you a wonderful verse in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 6. Just find it. <clears throat> Revelation 1 verse 6. And he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father to be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Do you know that God has made you to be a priest? Do you know that you're a priest? All of you. The priesthood of, all, of, of believers. That we've been created to live in this temple, heaven and earth, to reflect the praises of all creation back to God, to intercede on behalf of the world, to live as Jesus lived in the world. This world that God has made to live out as priests in his kingdom. Because the kingdom of God has come and we've been created to live as his priests. So, do you see that Advent reminds us that the kingdom has come? It's broken into the world. And we, as we trust in Jesus, become his priests, God's priests, to live in this temple, to reflect the praises of God back to him, to intercede for this needy world of ours. The kingdom has come, but we look forward to the day when the kingdom comes in all of its fullness. So, the last point I want to share with you, and you've been very patient, is the launching of God's renewed people. Because you see, the Gospel writers believed that something had happened in the life, death and resurrection of Jesus through which the world had changed, Israel had changed, humankind had changed, knowledge of God had changed, and they themselves had changed. Jesus says in verse 11 of this passage, No one is greater than John the Baptist, <coughs> but those who are least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than he is. Now John was the greatest among those who prepared the way. But now even the most insignificant person who accepts the kingdom of God and lives by it is greater than he simply because they're living in the time of fulfillment. Because the kingdom of God has come and we are part of that kingdom. And we are called to live as priests in the kingdom of God, living out the story of the kingdom. We live in the story of God's kingdom. The four Gospels tell the story of Jesus as a way of sketching out the ground for the early church. This is who we are. This is why we exist. We are part of God's renewed people. Now there already was a people of God, of course, in the Old Testament. But we are part of God's renewed people. Jesus has ushered in a new world order in which a new way of life is not only possible, but mandatory for his followers. It's the life of the kingdom. 
It's not just about going to heaven when we die. It's living out the kingdom now and looking forward to the kingdom coming in all of its fullness. That's our calling. It's a wonderful calling. It's living as part of the story. And of course at the end of Matthew's Gospel, and I've just looked at Matthew briefly, we have the Great Commission. Jesus gives his disciples the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Of course, because he is the King. He is the Lord of all. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I've commanded you. And look, I am with you every single day to the end of the age. Sure, that's an amazing promise, isn't it? I'm with you every single day as you go out to live the kingdom at work, on the factory floor, in your home, among your friends, living out the kingdom, reflecting the, reflecting the praises of God back to him. I met Colleen Thomas, stroke Breitenbach, on Sunday evening, and she was just telling me that a group of you went out to share a meal. I know you've been given some money by the church to celebrate the meals of the kingdom. And you went out just to have a meal with some folk under the bridge. And it was a great time of just sharing God's goodness. You know, that's living out the kingdom, isn't it? It's living out the values of the kingdom. God loves this world. God loves the politicians. He loves everyone here. That's why we need to intercede for the world. And God calls us to live out the kingdom. So we're living in the time of fulfilment. We look forward to the day when the kingdom comes in all of its forms. When the earth is filled with the knowledge of the love of God as the waters cover the sea. This is our story. Are you living in the story? The story of the coming of the kingdom. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Just uh, allow God's word to settle in our heart, and I think there are a couple of a couple of different things that God might highlight for us. One is that sense I might finish with there of being caught up in the big story. We're not not just insignificant little people; but we are part of a big story that stretches through the history of Israel and through the birth of Jesus, His life his death and his resurrection are now the time of fulfilment. We are part, you are part of that story. And you are a priest. Some of us think that the call, a calling is something for other people, something for extra holy, extra special Christians. But, but the truth is, as Mike said, that anybody who is seeking to follow Jesus is a priest in the world, to pray for the world, to serve the world, that they might see Christ. Maybe God wants to help you this Advent, this Christmas, better understand what it means for you to be a priest in the context you are. And as Mike said, even the most insignificant of people is greater than John the Baptist because we live in the time of fulfilment, we live in the story of God's kingdom. So receive the truth that you are part of a bigger story. 
that your life matters. Receive the truth that you are called as a priest in God's kingdom. That your life matters. You are not insignificant. As you look to the week ahead and the Christmas period, know that God is with you, Emmanuel, and he prepares the way for you. So may God keep you in all your days. May Christ shield you in all your ways. May the Spirit bring you healing and peace. May God the Holy Trinity drive all darkness from you and pour upon you blessing and light. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. The band are going to close the service by leading us in a couple of songs of worship. And there's also coffee in the hall. Would you like to share the joke with the class? And she went, yeah, yes. Coffee is a very good thing. Let's